If you have your Bibles, would you turn to 1 John? Our text is going to be chapter 2, verse 28, through chapter 3, verse 10. And so if you guys are up for it, would you stand? And Craig's going to read to us, because he has like a thundering voice of God, and I don't. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. And if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born in him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved now, we are children of God, and it has appeared as yet, has not appeared as of yet, we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one, abide, no one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is, is, a, is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him. And he cannot sin, because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Thanks, Craig. You may be seated. So already this morning, I, I woke up and had a, a fabulous time with Jesus, and he was ministering to me, and uh, I was excited and blessed. And then about 10 minutes before I was trying to leave the house, little by little by little by little, certain things happened, very small things, but then I found myself very angry, um, and I was really interacting with just myself. And so there's been, uh, there's been excitement and then tension, uh, but what I'm so thankful for is, so I got in the car, and I was, I'm so excited to send this message to you guys, honestly. Uh, you're in danger of being here for a long time, uh, because I think this is just the miracle of miracles. Uh, but I got in the car, and pretty soon I feel like I am not in a position to deliver the truth of God. And so God was like, okay, son, like, it looked good in the Bible, it looked good on your iPad, time to look good in your life. Time to apply the truth of God in your life right now. And so God does what he always does. He, he delivered me once again, and I recognized I had to go to war with the enemy. Uh, I had to go to war with self, 
I had to go to war with flesh. I had to go to war with uh, the world. Uh, but I'm telling you, I did that by fixing my eyes on Jesus. I did that by continuing to praise and look at him, and he does what he always does. And that's what this is going to be about. He delivers, he redeems, he restores. And uh, I'm so blessed to be here. I'm blessed to, to be in front of you. Uh, there's a good chance that I'm either going to be up here roaring or crying. I don't know which one. Um, but regardless, I, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. Uh, sometimes when I want something really bad, uh, I want to deliver this with power. I want to deliver this with passion. I want to deliver this with clarity. I want this to change your life. I, I want this to impact you deeply. And I, I believe some of that is for God's kingdom. I believe a lot of that is for love for you. Uh, but there's a good chance some of that might be for my glory. There's a good ch chance some of that might come from pride. And so would you please pray with me? Father God, as we just sang, that uh, you have done a work in our life that is so miraculous. You have brought us into yourself. You have made us born of God. And Father, I, I do pray, uh, one, I pray for Chris Parrish as he's ministering downtown, and there's so much in this passage, God, and I ask that you would give him clarity to deliver well, uh, that you would give uh, the people of our body ears to hear, that you would penetrate hearts. I pray that for us as well. God, if there's, I know you desire to be known. I know you desire to bring yourself glory. And so I pray that you would do that today. Uh, God, there, a part of that I know is, is the, the crucifying and the killing of our self-life, of our self-resources. And so uh, if there's impurity in my heart, uh, if there is self-glorification um, ready to, to come out, God, I pray that you would break that. Uh, if you're going to do that in front of people, do it gently. Um, but be effective. I, I trust you. And so if this means uh, bringing to the floor so that you might be risen up, I pray that you would do your work. God, we love you. And we pray that now your Holy Spirit would truly uh, penetrate our hearts uh, that we might further your kingdom for your name's sake. So used, used crack pots to, to bring yourself glory. Amen. All right, thanks. Uh, starting in verse 28, I think there's a couple things so some of us aren't crawling in our skin, worried about our stance before God. There's a lot of language in here that, that can cause some uneasiness. And the uh, book of 1 John, the author John, he's, there's a theme of distinction. There's a theme of divisiveness that talks about if, if you're righteous, you're of God. If you're not, you're of the enemy. Um, there's some very fine, distinctive dividing lines throughout 1 John. And, and I think that's, that's good, and that's wise, and that's helpful, and that's truth. Uh, but it can be easy on the first read to kind of mishear, uh, misunderstand. And so I think right away in verse 28, it says, And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him, in shame at his coming. I, I, don't, I believe this is talking basically about two different camps. I don't think when, when John says little children abide in him, he's addressing God's people. He's addressing uh, redeemed. He's addressing God's children. And I think it means not Nick Ewing, act a certain way so that when Christ comes, you won't have shame, but you'll have confidence. I, I personally believe it means Nick Ewing, you are a child of God, stay deeply in Christ, remain in Christ, abide in Christ, 
and when he appears, you will have confidence, not like those who are not children of God who will shrink away in shame. I don't really think, this could be a, a motivator for good behavior, but I don't really think when Christ returns that any of his children are going to experience shame. When I look through scripture uh, and there's no shame, no condemnation for Christ, uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus, I believe when Christ comes, um, it'll, it'll in some senses be terrifying, uh, but we will know we are safe, we will know we are loved, we will know we are rejoiced over. And so I believe this is one of them, those dividing and distinctive lines that says, if you're a child of God and if you practice his presence and remain, remind yourself of those truths and who you are in Christ, you will have confidence at his coming. If you are not, that is a terrifying day. In verse 3, or verse 29, it says, If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So what does it mean to be born of God? What does it mean to have his seed in you? What does it mean to be a child of God? To be a son of the creator? To be a daughter of Almighty King? You see goes on, he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. I think many times we, we grab titles like being called something, and we hold on to that, and we try to model, mimic, or live into that. And there's, there's something to be said about modeling, there's something to be said about mimicking. Um, in fact, at the 1030 service, uh, one of my sons will have his black suit and white shirt on, and he'll be dressed just like me. He's eight years old. He loves modeling things. Uh, Brogan will, will come up here, and he'll look like dad. And there's something to be said about that that goes a long ways, uh, but it doesn't go deep enough to destroy sin. It doesn't go deep enough to be uh, victorious over ourself. There's something that has to go beyond that. And I think that's why John says over and over and over, he, he reaches down deep into the identity of who you are and says this isn't just a name, but it's a rebirth. This isn't just a title, it's a new creation. Because many times I think in the American church that we, we grab Christianity and we, we now think we are a part of uh, principles, we have creeds, we have culture, and again, all those things are good. But my experience is those things do not go deep enough to conquer sin in your life. Those things do not go deep enough to destroy your flesh tendency over and over and over. So today, I want to continue to show you what it means to be transformed from the inside out and how the grace of God reaches to the deepest part of your heart and soul and truly gives you a rebirth. Continuing to look at Scripture, first, or 2 Peter 1.4 says that we have become partakers of divine nature. Divine nature. Divine means God. That I don't have, I am not God, but I have his nature at the truest part of who I am. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old has passed away, new has come. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. A new creation. 
recreated. You see, it's not enough to take a sinner and just put a suit on him. It's not enough. It's the same person inside. It's not enough to take someone who lusts after self-glory and relies on his own resources and his own skill set. It's not enough to say, here's a creed, here's some rules, here's a couple people, try to follow them. It's not enough. You have to do something that changes who you are. In John 3, 3, Jesus says, unless one is born again or born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You're born of water and born of the Spirit. Born of water and born of the Spirit. So there's going to be, throughout this sermon, many of you are going to hear disqualifying thoughts in your own kind of inner dialogue, you're going to hear these thoughts that say, I I consider myself a Christian, but yet I don't seem to live victorious. And so, what's that mean about my identity? Or we're so used to being called children of God that it sounds good, and we sing about it. We might even put it on our walls, but something in us pushes back that that's who we really are. We feel like we're still pretending. And I'm convinced that what you believe about who you are is going to come out in behavior. See, the way the world functions, because we have a lot of parts of our identity, don't we? I'm a father. I'm a preacher. I'm a coach. I'm a son. I'm a brother. There's parts of my identity that can change and that do change. Your, your roles, certainly they're a part of who you are. But what we're talking about is at your very core, the thing that is eternal about you, the thing that was created in the image of God, that's the genesis, that's the source of your identity. We're talking about that deepest part. As you see yourself there, will come out. The world says what you do determines who you are. And that's why today and this week and right now so many of you are are continually pushing back. Something in you is pushing back because you said, "Uh, you don't know how much I don't tell the truth. So maybe you have a propensity to lie, but you're not a liar. Maybe you are a partaker of divine nature that the fire and the spirit of God inhabits your life and you have a tendency to lie. See, I'm not trying to get you to disqualify your flesh patterns or your sin. It's there. And you'll continue to see this tension and this rub and this battle. The flesh and the spirit will wage war with each other. So you don't have to turn a blind eye to your sin or your tendency. Maybe you continually struggle with alcoholism. And you say, how can this be true about me? Because look at this. I make a practice of sinning. That idea of making a practice of sinning is to indulge in it. And there's certainly times I indulge in my flesh. And so a part of me pushes back at this as well. But maybe I'm a saint who has a propensity for alcohol. Or maybe anger is easily accessed and you constantly explode. And so it's easy to tag yourself or people tag you as an angry person. 
Or maybe you're a son of the living God who struggles with anger. Or maybe you're saying yes to everything everywhere because you have such a lust to be okay and to be liked. See, we all have these addictions, don't we? And if we function the way the world functions and if we function the way the deceiver wants us to function, you will continue to see that as the truest part of who you are. But according to Scripture, the way I understand it, God has crucified the old self, put it on a cross, put it in a tomb, and something new has come to life. This is what it means to take a seed and put it in the ground and bury it and to watch God grow it into something new and something vibrant. This is why it's so vital to know that you are born of God. We have one of the most incredible practices of adoption on earth. And I think it's, it's hard to find something that competes with the sacrifice and love that, that adoption does as far as expressing that love. And the Bible uses this term over and over and over, that we have been adopted as sons and daughters. We have been brought into the family of God. And I think that is about as high a calling as you can have. We're not all called to that. But when you think, I think the reason Scripture uses that is because there is such a beautiful picture and mirror of taking, one, being chosen, being sought after, being plucked from one life and brought into the other, where functionally, legally, with your name and your title, that you now live as a son and a daughter to your adoptive family. Some of us, this is our story. Some of us, this is a great testimony of the pursuit and love and transfer of God. And as humans, that's as far as we can go. That's as, as great as we can express. But God goes beyond that because God is a miracle worker. God says, it is like adoption that I have plucked you and brought you in and treated you as a son. But he has done more than treated me as a son. He reaches into my heart and he changes it. When God says, when Jesus says, you must be born again, something new is created. And if you've put your faith in the saving work of Jesus Christ, you have been born of God. If I put an apple seed in the ground, what does it produce? Apple tree. It can't produce anything else because it's the essence of what it is. And regardless of what you've done, regardless of what you continue to struggle with, God says who you are begins to influence what you do, not the other way around. This is why scripture says that you can be sure that anyone who practices righteousness is born of God because God is righteous. There's a principle here. Your consistent behavior will always come from your belief or understanding of your nature. We can fake it for a while. But again... We read in here in the text that Jesus came to destroy sin. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. This morning, sin was destroyed in my life for a moment, and it was active. 
because God granted me faith to believe that I am brand new and that the spirit of the living God is housed in this broken vessel. Cracked pots expressing the glory of God. That's a ridiculous miracle. Mark seven fifteen says this. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from the outside can't defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. He's referring to food. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiled him. For from within, out of the heart of a man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, idolatry, coveting, wicked, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evils, if they come from within, that's what defiles them. His point here is this. From the heart is what comes out. Proverbs 4.23, most of you have heard this over and over. Above all else, guard your heart, for from it flows the things of life. You see how imperative it is that God did not just clean up my outside. He did not just take a sinner and put a suit on him. How imperative it is that God reached down and transformed your heart. What's it look like to live in that? What's it look like to walk in that truth. See, if you put your faith in Jesus and you've received his forgiveness, it's true about you. And nothing you do can change that truth. But that doesn't necessarily mean we live in it. That doesn't necessarily mean we experience it. There's another principle here. In 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has yet to appear but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. This principle is beholding is becoming. Beholding is becoming. What you do, what you put in front of your eyes begins to do something to you. Uh, the Last Dance is a documentary that's very popular. Uh, it's on Netflix right now, it's on ESPN. It's about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. And in 1985, Air Jordans came out, and they've been popular ever since. Uh, but right now, I can go online and grab a pair of Jordan 1s, and there's all different kinds of models. For, they're listed at over $1,000 for a pair of shoes. How does that happen? Why is that? Again, they have been popular forever, but pretty soon you get thousands and thousands and thousands of people watching The Last Dance and about Michael Jordan, and then all of a sudden you get tons and tons of these awesome pictures with filters and cool people wearing them on Instagram, and they look so cool. And if I look at that enough, and if I look at that enough, and if I look at that enough, pretty soon I'm like, here, give me those shoes. The things that you expose yourself to over and over and over, the things that you look at and you begin to meditate on and muse on, pretty soon that begins to transform your desires and pretty soon your behavior comes from that. That can be everything from, from Jordans to a beautifully Christmas decorated room, right? Beholding is becoming. Listen to Matthew 6.22, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Or if you are looking at things, if you are beholding healthy, good things, those things find a way into your behavior. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be deceived, bad company will ruin good morals. Listen carefully to that. 
doesn't change who you are at the core, does it? Bad company corrupts good what? Morals. If I hang out with angry people, it says I will learn his ways and, and act angry. Again, does that change anything about who I am? My dad's not here today, but a lot of you know him and see him. Uh, he's my biological dad, Bill. He serves on the preaching team with us. No matter what happens in our relationship, no matter if we get in a fight, no matter if I move away, no matter if I change my name, no matter if he dies, I can't get that guy's DNA out of my blood. It's not going to happen. Why? Because I'm born of him. I'm born of his seed. You start to realize how important it is that God did that miracle. You start to realize how important it is that he went that deep, that he is creator and recreator. If I want to walk in the truth of who I am and my new identity, I must continue to behold whose I am. I must continue to have Christ in front of my eyes. Whoever walks with the wise will become wise. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or fellowship with darkness? And then probably the verse that I think captures it the most, 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. With unveiled faces we behold the glory of who? the Lord. And that is what transforms us. Now there's a little tension here, right? Because this is the idea of being complete and being completed. So we call this the process of sanctification. It's the idea of becoming who you are. And so the way that this works in my limited human mind, and many of you have heard this, I believe that God reaches to the deepest, most central part of who I am, my spirit, and that is brand new, complete, unioned, and fastened, and enveloped with the spirit of Jesus Christ. That part of me is the born-again part. That part of me is perfect. That part of me is holy. That part of me is a saint. That part of me is a son of God. And that's who I am. Now from that, I'm in process of my desires. I'm in process of my thoughts. I'm in process of my personality. Starts in here and then it works its way out and I'm becoming like Jesus who is at the center. First John, again, 3.2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now and what we will be has not yet appeared, meaning it isn't in its fullness. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is, beholding his becoming. It's an inside-out process. Romans 8.29 says, those who have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Philippians 1.6, and be sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Again, spiritually I've been born again, made complete. On a soul level, it's being made complete. On a body level, it'll one day be complete. In a relational level and in the world level, your surroundings, that's the process. So when you are being this internal dialogue that's pushing back because you say, you don't know what's going on in my mind, you don't know my habits, to me this helps me understand that tension. This helps me understand how there's a space that can be 
Nick Ewing, holy, clothed with Christ. And Nick Ewing, who still struggles with pride and arrogance and insecurity. Doesn't change who I am. There's a scene in The Lord of the Rings. I'm not going to get all these names right, but Aragon is the son of a king. Aragon's one of the humans in the story. And he's the son of a king. And that king has since died. And Aragon is a ranger. He's out living a, a rogue life, a nomadic life. When he's living a nomadic life, is he a son of a king? He is. That's who he is. And it takes some things to get him back into becoming who he is. And the, the elven king at one moment looks at him and he says, become who you were born to be. So many of you are born again, redeemed new creations. And we need to walk in that truth. And some of you are not yet. But I'm asking you to become who you were born to be. That if you want to be made brand new at the deepest part of who you are, that will never change, that is everlasting, that can't get away from the relentless love of God, anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. And when you are saved, you become born again. You become recreated, something totally different. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let me read you something to close here about our older brother, Jesus. I have an older brother. He's awesome. He's one of my heroes. His name's Jesse. He goes to church here a lot. And he paved the way for me in a lot of things. And in that sense, I would look at him and I would watch him. And even without probably knowing, I kind of walked into that. There's something about older siblings. And if you're an older sibling, especially if you're a kid, do not weaken the influence you have on your young, younger siblings. That's the, one of the greatest ministries that you will ever have. And Jesus not only calls himself my king and my Lord and my God, but he calls himself my older brother. And I think it's just this picture to say, not only watch what I do, but watch who I am, and then let me give myself to you. Listen to this. John 13, 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and that he was going to God, rose from supper and began to wash his disciples' feet. So when the God-man decided to wash people's feet and serve people, before that happens, John pulls out these incredible things that Jesus knew. The Father had given him all things, that he had come from God, and that he was going to God. If you want to live a life of love and a life of service, you have got to know that God has given you all things. You have got to know who you are. You have got to know where you come from, and you have got to know where you're going. When we understand that, when we understand that's our destiny, that's our identity, you will wash people's feet and you will change the world. Otherwise, you will constantly mimic, you will constantly model, and you will have some victories, but you aren't going to exercise power like the Son of God exercised power when he was here. And I believe that 
by the testimony of his saints, the evil one is overcome. How many of you have stories that once you were not and Christ redeemed you and you knew from that moment on you were changed? Not that you started to do a few things, but you were changed. And how many in that story, if you continued to tell it, did other people have a part in that? Ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through you. If you've been changed, I want you husbands to tell your spouse about it. Moms, tell your kid about how God changed you. How at one point you were this way and then you were that way. And watch the work of Satan be destroyed. We will shake the earth for heaven. Keep gazing at Jesus. It will change you because you will realize he has given you himself, he has given you all things. You think about it, if I have all the attention that I need, am I gonna be trying to suck it from you? My boys have nine baseball gloves on the floor of their room right now, nine. You guys know people who have all kinds of resources. If one of you needs to borrow a baseball glove, it is really easy to be like, take this one, keep it. Why? Because they have all they need. My buddy says, hey, do you got a, got a bat my, my son can use? Uh, no, I have a bat your son can have, because we have tons of them. If you know who you are and you know what you have in God, you will live a life giving, 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 and you'll be so excited when you're loaning bats and when you're loaning gloves and when you're washing people's feet. You'll be the happiest person in the room. Let's pray. Father, there's no way that I can do justice for what you have done for me and what you have done for us. That God, we stand here and we beg that you would give us the faith to trust your word, your miracle, for making us brand new. And all of the gifts and graces that you give us to remind us of that, whether it be a sermon or whether it be your word or whether it be a song or whether it be other people's encouragement, I pray that we would recognize that's the voice of God continuing to minister to us I pray against the enemy, God. I pray against all of the, the thoughts that are trying to push this out of people's hearts and minds. I pray that the reality of their identity in Christ Jesus would land and they would consistently remind themselves and remind each other that they have been made new, that we are partakers of divinity, that we might become who we were born to be. And thank you so much for Jesus that we can constantly and continually not only look to him to model, but recognize that his spirit is alive and active within our hearts. We love you, and I pray that even though we can be done with church, that we will never be done worshiping. Amen.